0: 8. The first part of the book of Acts, we have one, really one apostle who is at the forefront, and that is Peter. And it is a wonderful study to look at Peter before and then after. Before what? Well, before he was restored to. A right relationship with Jesus, and before he was, let's say, a changed man. Um, because Peter, uh, he's he's impetuous. He is uh, he's talkative. He's got his own plan, and it took him a while just to kind of, you know, God, Jesus, what's your plan? And it seems like he was never really understanding. But he finally got it, and in the first part of the book of Acts, he is he is a force um, to be reckoned with as far as a force for good and a force for God in that early church. And so one thing, a really interesting study is to look at references to Peter in the synoptic gospels, and even in John, and then look at... Peter in these first uh, seven, eight, nine chapters of Acts, and then read his letter, his two letters. He is he's a different man when he's writing. I mean, he is he's not he's not what you would call a novice anymore. I mean, this guy writes with gravity. It's so good. In fact, lately, just. Just been getting to first and second Peter and just reading those words. They're so powerful. And you realize this man at that point in life uh, was uh, a, an apostle and mature, and he knew what he was talking about, never, you know, not to mention the fact that he was moved by the Holy Spirit to write what he wrote. So um so Acts Acts 8 the birth of the church I think there's so many good and good principles here but it's just God at work in the midst of his church and it didn't mean that the the church was without problems but the church had the resources from God to navigate in, in Many times, a hostile world. Um, So it's interesting how Rome treated the Jews. They kind of had a good deal going. They would let the Jews worship as long as they didn't, you know, ruffle, you know, uh, stir up the waters or stir up trouble. The Jews could be the Jews. So here's here's the interesting part. When the church was born, now you have Christians, and the church is born in Jerusalem, and many of those people are Jews, but they're Christian Jews. So how would Rome, would they treat the Christian Jews any different than they were treating the, uh, the religious Jews? Well, that was always, you know, the the, Jew, the Jews, the religious leaders would always say, they're not us. But the Romans would look at them as like a sect. They're really close to, they're in the neighborhood of Judaism. So sometimes the Christians got the same privilege. But the time would come when all that would go by the board. And they would be persecuted. Um, so... We're going to look at persecution tonight um, in the church. We had just read Stephen's defense of the gospel in chapter 7. What a defense of the gospel. Stephen first pops up when there's a complaint in the church and some of the Greek-speaking Jews, the, uh, the widows at least, Uh, felt that they were deprived of some of the resources, the benevolence ministry of the church, that the native Hebrews had an advantage over the Greek-speaking Hebrews. And this is a problem within the church. And what's really interesting is the apostles, at this point, they're the ones responsible. So how would this be handled? I mean think about it the apostles are the apostles who's going to complain to them? I mean why would well there's a real problem so they um, summoned the twelve right there verse two chapter six the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples so this is really this is good and this is a lesson in church government because you've got you've got Apostles, and we would think, well, why didn't those guys just meet, and make a decision? I mean, come on now, but they didn't. They summoned the congregation. That's beautiful, and uh, we're congregational. There's an, a, an example right here of the congregation involved in a decision. So that they summoned the disciples, and they said, "It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables." Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men good reputation, full of the spirit and wisdom whom we may put in charge of the task, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So within the church, we would say that there has to be room to serve tables as well as for some to devote themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. There has to be room for all of that. It doesn't have to be either or and shouldn't be either or. It should be all of the above the serving of tables and then the, the word of God and prayer. And we read and things went quite well. It found approval with the whole congregation. And we have a list of the men that they chose. Stephen, right there, he's the first one listed there in verse 5. They chose Stephen. What kind of man was Stephen? Well, this is what Luke tells us about Stephen. I think what Luke says about Stephen Uh, And his uh, personal characteristics uh, should be true of anyone holding a position or ministry in a church full of faith, full of faith, and of the Holy Spirit. And then we have the list of the rest of these guys there. Well, Stephen is not just a server of tables. He is also... Uh, well-versed in the defense of the gospel. And we see there's there's conflict right here in verse 7 of chapter 6. The word of God kept spreading. What do we learn? Well, we've read it in these first few chapters of Acts. There's problems within. There's problems without. None of those are effective in stopping the church. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So with the problems we've seen from a human perspective, we think, uh oh, that's not good. They're just getting, you know, just starting out. It's a young church, but God always has an answer and God always provides and God always undertakes and leads and the church continues to grow. And that's why we have these. Uh, summary statements periodically. Here's one in chapter 6, verse 7. The word of God kept on spreading. So evidently this conflict or this problem having to do with something like serving food was not going to stop the church. And Luke wants us to know that. He says the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. And then there's this situation with Stephen, full of grace and power. He's performing great wonders and signs among the people. But some men, from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, rose up. And what were they doing? They were arguing with Stephen. I wonder how that was going. Well, Luke tells us in verse 10. So not everybody just really uh, appreciated what Stephen had to say. Now you talk about valiant. You talk about boldness. Right there it is with Stephen. Stephen's valiant. I mean, Stephen has a witness. He has a testimony. But some men came and right there, rose up and argued with Stephen. So that tells me, That Stephen was not just uh, serving tables, making sure that the native Hebrews who spoke Hebrew and the Hellenistic Hebrew ladies, widows, that spoke Greek. He didn't just, he wasn't just involved in that ministry. He had something to say. He had a testimony. He knew the gospel. And then in verse 10, they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. They couldn't keep up with him. God was working in Stephen and through St- Stephen. And uh, they began to say, okay, uh, he's speaking blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes. They came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. They put forward false witnesses. And they're accusing Stephen of speaking against this holy place, the temple, and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. So that that expression, they saw his face like the face of an angel, means that in that ministry of Stephen and in the conflict that he found himself in, he was conscious Of God's presence in that moment. Isn't that the way it is? Isn't that what Jesus told his people? Well, what are we going to say? What are we going to do when they rise up against us? What did Jesus say? He said, don't worry about it. He said, in that moment, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. Now, we either believe that or we don't. And that was either just true for them or it's true for all time. And I choose to believe it's true for all time. Because our God doesn't change. And he was right there. I mean, we have evidence right here that Jesus, uh, his promise is true. It worked with Stephen. Stephen gives the defense all through chapter 7. He gives, he just, really it's a history lesson. And he just brings them through step by step. Uh, but there it. Things take a turn there in verse 51. Because, you know, everybody wants application, right? That's a big thing these days. If you're going to have a Bible study, let's have some application. If you're going to hear a sermon, let's have application. Well, here it is. Stephen gives some application. He says, you men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who had previously announced the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the laws ordained by angels and yet did not keep it. So that was a a pointed word. And what is the response? Now, think about it. Young church. Stephen was just used to solve a problem of serving tables. He's bold. Now the church is going to face another problem because this guy, who is full of faith and the Holy Spirit and obviously bold in his testimony, he's about to die. You just think, how could a church survive that? How can a church survive a problem within and then a hostility without? It's because Jesus said back in Matthew 16, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. God superintends his church. So the Bible says when they heard this, they were cut to the quick. That means this hit them to the, at the core of their being and they began gnashing their teeth at him. I've tried to imagine what that must have looked like. It's not a pretty picture. But being full of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit obviously doesn't leave him. And he's not feeling guilt that, oh, I've somehow missed it. I'm supposed to win these people over. No, I'm getting the wrong response. See, when uh, sometimes the world, even the religious world in this case, will will not uh, necessarily uh, receive the message. That doesn't mean we're supposed to change it. That's what I wanted to say. But that's the way a lot of the church is in our day. You know, hey, we've got to appeal to the world. We've got to adjust. We've got to make it palatable. No, we don't. We don't do that. There's the offense of the gospel is the offense of the gospel. The offense of the gospel is the cross. Because nobody puts a king on a cross. Except the father in heaven. And. But the world, we don't adjust that. The world, if they're going to be offended by that, they're offended by that. But we don't adjust, it's not up to us to adjust it and make it more palatable. In other words, what Paul said to the Corinthians, when I came to you, what did I preach? Jesus and him crucified. You know, the Jews are asking for a sign. The Greeks seek for wisdom. But we're preaching Jesus and him crucified because salvation is in none other than Jesus. So he stays with the message and this message uh, uh, really led to his death. Stephen is the link between Peter and Paul. He is that link. A lot of times you'll, you'll be studying Acts and it's like all Peter and the first, and you're focused on him. And then we just kind of ice skate over, over uh, Stephen. Like, wow, that was interesting. And then we pick up Paul, Saul, Paul. And we don't put it all together that Stephen, just in his brief life, is linking Peter to Paul. And Paul and what God did with him would change the world. And that's the interesting thing. And that's what we'll try to answer in the days, uh, next few weeks is who was this guy and how was he able, you know, what happened on the Damascus road and how was he able to be a world changer? I mean, he was valiant. Um, he's, he's something right there. Um, Stephen's put to death, and then right there, verse 1 in chapter 8, we'll close with these three verses. Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. Now, that's Saul, Paul. He was standing right there. So we think, remember when when Stephen was out-reasoning the people? We think that Saul came from Tarsus. So he had to go what? A little bit east and then south from Tarsus to get to Jerusalem. We think he came down there to support, to try to uh, give some help and add some more uh, assistance to the argument of the people who were squaring off against Stephen. Because he's right there. He was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day... That day, the very day that Stephen died, look at that, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. So we think that the apostles, their mindset is we're holding our post. And remember, the apostles were primarily Jews, and we think Mostly native Hebrews, the ones who are being scattered, we think, were mainly Hellenistic Jews, Greek-speaking Jews. We put the native Jews, Hebrews, in Jerusalem, and the others were scattered. So, they're scattered, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen. Now, this is, this is interesting because, you know, they're going to bury him. They're... They're showing their colors. Uh, the enemies aren't going to bury him. The enemies are going to stone him and leave him. For the wild beasts. the Dogs. Whatever. But these devout men. There it is. Devout men. I, I like to think it was some of those mentioned there in verse. Uh, in the first part of chapter 6. And they buried him. And they made loud lamentation over him. That was not really accepted uh, in that moment the loud lamentation. I mean, they are they love Stephen and they respected Stephen and they are going to assist Stephen. But Saul, there he is, began ravaging the church. That word ravaging is very picturesque. It's like a roaring lion. It's like a wild beast just on the loose. And that's that's who Saul was. He is on the loose. He wants to stop the church. Entering house after house. I mean, he's going door to door. But it's not to spread the gospel. It's to find out who the Christians are. And the Bible says he's dragging off men and women. Men and women. And he would put them in prison. So right here, you see the persecution. You see the scattering. And then... You have two examples of evangelism coming up in the last part of that chapter, and we'll we'll get with uh, we'll be with Philip next uh, next Wednesday. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and the encouragement that comes from your word. We need it. We also uh, really need your assistance, Lord. There's there's hurting bodies and there's even hurting, uh, souls there. And Lord, we just, we need your work of grace in our own lives and in the life of the church. We pray for this Sunday service. We ask God that you continue to stir us up and we pray that your will be done. We pray that, The saved are sanctified, and those who do not know you would come to know Jesus. We continue to pray for the youth ministry. We continue to pray for Josh and Taylor as they expect this baby in the near future. We pray for the health of the baby and Taylor's health as well. Lord, uh, watch over them in this situation. We also pray for the kids' ministry. And we pray for Pastor Boyle tonight as he recovers, Lord, from this uh, knee replacement surgery. Lord, continue to work and help in his life. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. For it's in Jesus' name that we ask and God's people said, amen and amen.